Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today, we have three spectacular guests. First, we'll be joined by actor Carl Lumley, talking all about his incredible roles he's played and his thoughts on a Justice League reunion. We'll then chat with Ross Marquand and Chris Sullivan. All that and more. Stand by. We're talking to And our first show of the new year. We're very excited to be back, and we've got some great guests. Uh, let's get right to it. We're joined now by an incredible actor. You know his voiceover work. You know him from the TV and movies he's been in. We're joined now by Carl Lumley. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you, James? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you so much. Uh, this is exciting for me particularly because you are the last of the seven of the Justice League members who I've had on my show, so I've now completed my set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. John Jones is the final one. Okay. That's good. right. And in fact, <laughs> uh, I was uh, chatting back and forth with Susan Eisenberg today, and Susan said to be sure to give you her love. Oh, my goodness. Oh, lovely Susan Eisenberg. Please. Um, if and when you speak with her, um, please return it. She's uh, quite wonderful. Truly a wonder woman. Yeah, that she is. That she is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, starting out, just let's, let's go ahead and start there for a moment. Uh, with the Justice League, the animated series, it was such a beloved series. Um, Andrea Romano, the genius casting director and voice director behind that series. Um, yes. Describe a little bit about, I guess, how you went into the audition and how, uh, what, what, how you found John Jones's voice? Um, I, I, what I remember of the audition process is it was um, fairly um, standard. What was singular was the way in which I remember being directed. Um, that uh, I felt very much like I was um, on a stage in a theater, mm -hmm. and that um, what. Andrea was going for was, um, you know, um, nuances of character and depth, um, which is you're not always called upon uh, when you do a voice, but which I I, I loved the uh, I loved the challenge of it and I loved the idea of it. It seemed to me that uh, there was something at base that was going to be serious about this, even though it is, you know. Um, a cartoon, and certainly I would say the stories that we did um, were um, worthy of uh, of any any genre, um, theater, film, TV, stage. Um, it was centered in character and relationships between character and truth of relationships. So um, 
that was a joy. Um, as for um, as for doing the Martian character, I I loved the idea of um, of playing a character who could discorporate, who could be there or not be there, who could be in other people's minds, um, and who was uh, uh, decidedly off planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, in my own life. It has been suggested to me that I'm a little bit off planet myself, so I, uh, I suppose I felt at home in an interesting way. And then, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, son of immigrants uh, from Jamaica, so I think that uh, there is something that immigrants have in common, having left, um, having left a home, or being informed of a home that is very different from the place where you've landed, but having to uh, adapt, adjust, and uh, learn a way to be at home um, in a foreign setting or a foreign land. And Lord knows uh, Mars is as foreign (laughs) as uh, you can get when you talk about Earth. So I think that was uh, the idea that this was a character who, at the same time, um, has any number of superpowers. Uh, the greatest superpower he has developed is his own education, in terms of learning where he is and who he's dealing with. Um, love to that. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, with with you mentioned the whole thing with you know being displaced and uh, being an immigrant. There's it's more timely now than it ever has been. <laughs> Uh, yes, and you know, and again, I think Justice League was a tremendous example of the contributions that are made, um, especially because of the perspectives. People who come from another place, A, may have a greater appreciation for a certain set of freedoms, but they might also have um, a uh, more informed perspective on those things that may not be working. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea of coalition and the idea of working together to make for a greater good is more important, I think, to people who feel they're on the outside. And I know uh, you're, you're not – you have a Twitter account, but you're not on Twitter very often. But the hashtag JL Reunion, people who want to have the original seven come back. Uh, we actually had Andrea Romano on my show say that she would come out of retirement to direct a Justice League movie. Everyone else, from Michael Rosenbaum to Kevin Connors, oh, they do it in a heartbeat. Was that something you'd yes. be up for? Yes, that, and I would say that's probably the only reunion series that I would uh, I would give strong consideration to. I normally um, like to see things in my rearview stay in my rearview, but uh, for that uh, for that gathering and for this project, I would happily come take part. Well, you've just made a lot of people very happy by saying that, so <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> yes, I, and who knows, you know, I mean, I will also say that no matter what takes place, the, the memory of those years, those sessions, those wonderful scripts, and working with that great group of people and Andrea, um, you know, will always remain with me. There, there are, you know... Various moments that um, I think of so fondly. Um, so, yeah, it would be great if it happened, but um, you know, 
um, I've got a, I've got the treasure. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then you get to kind of, in a way, revisit that Martian lifestyle on Supergirl. It's been fantastic. It was one of the the biggest Easter eggs to have you show up as Martian Manhunter's <laughs> father. That was that was brilliant on Warner Brothers' part to get you back for that. Did was it? Did it take much convincing to draw you in? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, when when the idea was presented to me, I actually I got a big kick out of it. You know the the idea of. Uh, going live action to play my character's father. And then this amazing actor, David Harewood, who's playing John Jones on Supergirl, um, I have just so much respect for and admiration, and we have developed a wonderful friendship. So, you know, it, um, yeah, the Easter egg goes both ways, huh? Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> recently, this this season, you got to reunite with your Justice League co-star Phil Lamar playing, uh, playing your <laughs> playing another son. son. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I love it. Yes, I know. I know. Absolutely, uh, absolutely wonderful. Phil and I uh, were laughing and talking about it uh, just recently when we, we had to get together in a, um, an episode of Young Justice, and so uh, it's uh, it's been yeah, it's been, it's been quite wonderful. This uh, this uh, Martian role in its many iterations has been a thing of joy for me, each and every one. And you've done so much work, uh, very, very perfectly almost balanced between the voiceover work you've done for video games like Bioshock 2, Diablo 3, uh, and the voiceover work for TV series like Black Panther and Batman Brave and the Bold. But you do so much live action work as well on TV and film. Doctor Sleep was fantastic. And then you, you still do stage work. So it, that's got to be nice to be able to uh, successfully do all three. It almost seems like you're simultaneously juggling the projects, which is great. Well, I think, you know, um, especially as um, I move along in my career, uh, it's good to keep my mind active. And um, stage is where it all started for me. And I think all of it um, has uh, something in common. I, I use the same I use the same process to go after character no matter uh, what the what the genre. And I think the work ethic that I learned doing stage has uh, served me very well and then i enjoy the that collaborative experience the the idea of uh this work being um an opportunity to uh to exercise your craft in um in connection mm-hmm. and in um being a part of something that tells of a, a broad story you know we all have our individual stories that we hang on to and lord knows um that's important but i think our stories really begin to uh, create resonance when they bounce off one another so from justice league to uh, alias to all of those wonderful video games it's 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 always about this idea of connection you know you're separated from home and trying to get home you're separated from friends or family and trying to make friends and family where you are you're separated from certain ideas of maybe about who you are and even why why you are and you're trying to get answers so i um yeah i've i've, I've been extraordinarily fortunate and um you know i the only wood I have to knock on is my own head right now, but I'm knocking <laughs> <laughs> that uh, this this good fortune continues. 
And the reason I reached out is because I saw you were one of the honorees at the upcoming Danger Man Hero Awards uh, with some great people like uh, In Memoriam were honoring uh, uh, the Honorable Elijah, Elijah Cummings. Cummings. And, of yes. course, uh, Simone Missick, fantastic yes. actress who's all rise yes. right now. Um, it, right. Describe a little bit about uh, when you're when you're given an award, uh, is, it, is it a little – uh, what what are your feelings? Is it kind of like, oh, I shouldn't, you know, I don't deserve this, or yes, this is great, I'm being recognized. Where where does the uh, the feelings come in for you on the awards you get? We're gonna come right back and find out just how Carl Lumley feels all about awards right after this. Stand by. Hi, this is James Enstall, host of Geek Me Radio, and in honor of my favorite Themyserian, I've decided to become an Amazon warrior. Hera, give me strength. The next time you want to buy something from Amazon, go to geektomeradio.com first and click on our Amazon affiliate link. Simply shop like you normally would, and when you check out, a small percentage will go towards supporting the show. So remember, the next time you want to search Amazon for the latest Wonder Woman graphic novel or parts for your invisible jet, <laughs> click through from geektomeradio.com first. The world was in peril. Would you have me stand by and do nothing? Hi, this is Andrea Romano. I happen to be the voice director for many animated series, including The Justice League. You are listening on geek to me Radio. And we're back. This segment, uh, the show itself, uh, wouldn't be possible without the support of the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. You can check them out on their website at discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com for the website. Uh, we just finished the 45th year of Christmas traditions down there, and it was a lot of fun. Huge crowds, uh, record turnouts. Many of the businesses reported that they broke records with the amount of tourists who came from literally all over the world to partake in this festival that is uh, truly a Christmas tradition for many people. A lot of people make it uh, part of their holiday plans. They come down knowing they're going to find a shop down there that has something that they need for a family member or something that their family member loves that they can only get down there. They come down knowing they're going to interact with these great characters like Christkind or Bob Cratchit or Ebenezer Scrooge or the French Father Christmas Père Noël. Uh, They come down from the ambiance of just strolling along the shopping of the little cobblestone streets and the old original buildings, uh, fantastic places you really won't see n- nearly anywhere else. It's a great environment. Uh, Christmas always is a great time to go visit St. Charles, but there's never a bad time either. You can check it out, plan your trip, see photos of what you missed out on this year, plan on coming next year for Christmas traditions. And you can do all that from the website, St. Charles. Convention and Visitors Bureau's main website, discoverstcharles.com. I'm very proud to be associated with them, and I'm very proud that they are uh, the premier sponsor of geek to me Radio. So do me a favor, check them out. If you're in the greater St. Louis area, go down there, shop, dine, have fun. If you're not in the greater St. Louis area, plan to come and check it out. You can do all that from the website, discoverstcharles.com. Right before we went to break, we were talking with actor Carl Lumley, and uh, with his upcoming award, I asked him how he feels about awards. Well, you know, I, I've had to make, uh, I was going to say make peace, but that, that sounds as if I feel awards are pejorative, and I don't. Um, I, I, it's, it's wonderful to be um, 
appreciated. And whether that appreciation takes the form of the applause of an audience or, um, you know, the the good feelings of a director or um, your fellow castmates or an organization that um, sees something special in what you did and wants to let you know that they saw it. I I think the idea of uh, awarding is very nice. I think ideally... Um, there should be an award for everyone, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know that there's a necess- that I that I agree with the idea of a best of, but I do think that um, uh, it feels nice to be recognized for doing what you do. And I was particularly tickled because, um, you know, the, uh, this this. Uh, Danger Man Hero Award uh, was started by an individual, and I'm receiving my Danger Man uh, Hero because uh, of uh, the individual I played, um, Mantis, who was basically a man who had uh, his superpower was his mind and mm-hmm. his will. And um, after having been badly wounded and um, put in a wheelchair, he directed himself towards not only um, developing something that would allow him and then others to walk, but also to he dedicated himself to eradicating uh, gun violence, um, and he would not kill. He would only paralyze when he went after criminals. Yeah. So, you know, the the idea, especially as you say, some of these things uh, have resonances that ring so true today. Um, I, I like the idea that um, uh, Roger Tinsley, the uh, danger man hero himself, uh, literally just wants to spread the idea of doing good in community, um, sponsors any number of community projects, and um, is awarding to people he feels or entities he feel um, speak to uh, community. And um, so I'm, I'm quite gratified by that. Absolutely. And we'll have, for those of you who are listening, we'll have a link to the Danger Man Hero Awards website in the program. So you can click on that and check out what they do because it's really a fantastic thing uh, with their protecting, promoting, providing uh, all the stuff they do there in L.A. It's great. And uh, I think he's been doing it 21 years, and I believe uh, he began giving out awards four years ago. So um, I'm, I'm most appreciative. And uh, we took a couple uh, questions from Twitter, people who I'd I'd said I was going to interview, and everyone was very excited. Uh, We have a user at Brian C. Bear wanted to know, he said he'd love to hear about the filming of Dr. Sleep, which is still in uh, some theaters. Um, He was wondering how much leeway you were given for your own interpretation of the character as opposed to recreating Scatman Crothers' take on on the character. Um, I was given uh, tremendous leeway. I think uh, the only um, parameters really uh, were bound. I was bounded by the wardrobe, um, and uh, that, that is perhaps not my favorite style. I'm sure Scott Nunn was quite happy with it and looked good on him. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, um, Mike, uh, the director, allowed me. Um, 
completely way. I was guided, I would say, completely by the characterization that Stephen King wrote. Uh, Dick Halloran in both books, both in The Shining and in Dr. Sleep, is a quite wonderful character. And of course, he has lived with this gift, The Shining, mm-hmm. for his entire life. From, right. uh, and so the idea of imparting um, the knowledge of uh, both the benefits of the gift and the uh, liabilities of the gift uh, to first a young Danny in The Shining and then to a grown Danny in Dr. Sleep. Um, I felt like it was um, important to maintain the continuity. And um, Scatman, I thought, did a, a great job of uh, inhabiting Dick Halloran from The Shining. And um, I felt good about what I did uh, inhabiting him in Dr. Sleep. I, it's kind of like, you know, um, Scott Mann did the character first, and so the, the suit was tailored for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in picking up the character, I, I had some alterations done, and uh, I think it fit. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was well received. A lot of people raved about that movie. So, uh, so kudos to you and Ewan McGregor and everyone involved. Oh uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of uh, a lot of fun, and I I most enjoyed seeing it. I I I actually rate uh, Mike quite a bit. Uh, Mike Flanagan, the director, for I think doing a beautiful job, not only of uh, honoring doc- what uh, Stephen King had to say in Doctor Sleep, but also. Um, sort of bringing the two uh, films together. They're very, very different ideas. And uh, I think where Dr. Shining was just, you know, pick you up out of your skin, frightening. Yeah. I think um, Dr. Sleep is much more thought-provoking and ultimately positive. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 am, I was happy to be a part of it. And you've been a part of so many iconic TV shows, too, going all the way back, like TV shows like Taxi, The Jeffersons, Lou Grant, Cagney and Lacey, L.A. Law, uh, and then, of course, Alias and Mantis. My, my wife is a huge Alias fan, and I told her I'd be speaking with you, and she, she gave a little yell. So, uh, <laughs> But that was it was such a fun cast. I mean, it, it, yes. uh, the role you got to play was so intense. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, just your TV career in general. Do you have... A couple of favorite roles that you had throughout the years. Is that too hard to narrow it down? It's a common question for actors, but I'm always curious. What is your favorite role? We're going to find out that answer from actor Carl Lumley right after this. Stand by. Hi, everybody. This is Maria Canals Barrera. I voice Talk Girl on the Justice League, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. And we're back. Carl Lumley uh, has been someone I've wanted to have on the show since I started the show, honestly. Um, huge fan of his from his many roles. And obviously one of the only members of the original, the only member of the seven original Justice League members who I haven't had on the air. So I was beside myself with uh, excitement when I found out I was going to actually get him on the show. And so while we were talking, I asked him what his very favorite role was. 
Well, I, I very much liked Dixon in Alias. It's hard to narrow down one because I only have one child, but if I had more than one, I would have picked it. If there's something specific that you love about each thing you do. But Dixon, I really liked because I thought he was, um, he had a, there was something that was selfless that I really, um, I really appreciated. Again, uh, there for the team. Yeah. Um, and, and also, um, to the degree that he would admit it, um, a feminist, quite thrilled by this notion of Sidney Bristow and her brashness and her um, knowledge and confidence in uh, the fact that she had agency and would have it uh, no matter what her gender. I think he, he was tickled by that, his, that his generation of man needed to learn to see and appreciate that. And so I... I I very much like that. I was raised with three sisters, so ah. I came by this information quite naturally. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I also, you know, they used to do these things called movies of the week. Um, and uh, I, I had an opportunity to do a few different ones for uh, the Disney Channel and TNT. But one in particular that I did for the Disney Channel was called Night Job. And it was, you know, never say never. I, I think early on in my career, at some point, I said the one thing I would never do is play a slave. And of course, Night John was a slave, mm. uh, a slave who literally had um, escaped and freed himself, run to the north, and then um, returned to the south, uh, re-enlisted. <laughs> or enlisted for the first time in slavery because he wanted to teach. And he was uh, part of the tradition of the slave schools that were generally held at night in a pit out in the woods because, of course, uh, slavery being what it was, uh, plantation masters had rules about never educating yeah. Uh, the slaves, and uh, you could be killed for doing it, but education being the key to freedom, he returned and uh, helped a young girl who in turn helped an entire uh, community of slaves in this particular um, in this particular story. And uh, that's one of my, yeah, that's that's one of my prouder moments. It was beautifully directed by a director named Charles Burnett. And I really rate uh, the Disney company for, for having done it. Very, very proud moment for me. That's one I've not seen, but with all the uh, streaming service now in the new Disney Plus, maybe that'll be one that they end up putting up with some of the other Disney movies. That'd be great to see that. Yeah, it's called Night John, one word. And um, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. Again, another selfless character. Again, another young woman, much younger woman, with agency. So maybe, maybe, maybe there's a pattern that I'm only now seeing. <laughs> yes. you, you, you seem to play a lot of very forthright, very selfless characters. I'm not sure if that's, that must be typecasting. That's why you're getting a Danger Man Hero Award. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I guess, I suppose I can't really say that myself. Right, um, I'm saying I, I, I don't, I don't feel that I'm necessarily selfless. In fact, I feel, I feel like I, you know, I, I, I care quite a bit about um, myself as a representative of uh, not only black men, but actors, artists, um, people, fathers, 
uh, husbands. Um, and you never know what role you're going to get. But my rule is always that I have to find a way to love any character I play. And characters can wind up in any kind of circumstance. But I still have to believe that they're otherwise good people, perhaps in tough circumstances or who've made a bad decision. And I certainly wouldn't want to be judged by the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Sure. So um, you make the best of what you have. And I think that's that's what I believe um, is possible in every character, that uh, no matter how bad they are, uh, they they still carry a human spirit inside, and there's there's redemption for all of us. Amen. And then uh, yeah. sh- shifting gears a little bit once again, uh, talking about the stage work. I know you came up. I think if I'm not mistaken, it was both of your debuts in Escape from Alcatraz, both you and Danny Glover. And yes. you've remained great friends, and you've even gotten to do shows together. And I think you were even in one a couple of years back that he directed. That's got to be a great feeling for someone as an actor such as yourself, loves the theater. You're doing these these plays, and then you're getting to do them with your best friend. That's got to be amazing. Um, it 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 really is. And you know, I um, I'm honored to have uh, maintained my friendship with that. Not only an amazing friend, but. Uh, incredible actor and unbelievable statesman. And I, he's directed me a couple of times in uh, different projects. But what we, what we did on stage a couple of years ago was a reprise of a play that um, we actually started together. Um, we did two plays when we first started, one called Seasway Bonzi is Dead, which was a South African play by a writer named Athol Fugard, and another play called The Island. So a couple of years ago, for um, as a, a benefit, we did a reading of uh, the island. It's a two-character play about these two men in prison on uh, Robben Island, which was a place where South Africa used to send its black political prisoners. And it was because it, you know, there was a span of some thirty years in between the t- the two productions. Um, it was just a just a really really joyous experience. Um, I think both Danny and I like to work hard, and um, we also have always had, but have of course through the years developed a tremendous connection. And those kinds of things they show, and they they inform the kind of work you can do together. In that kind of an instance, yourself kind of disappears and the characters really get a chance to dance together. That's fantastic. And it's got to, like I said, be so rewarding uh, with someone you know that well and uh, just the the trust that you have between actors anyway, but then to have that on a personal level, that's, that's even more rewarding, I would think. Yes, it, it it really it really really is. As I say, I've been I've been pretty lucky in in all of this. I didn't. Uh, this was not what I expected I would do with my life. But um, I, boy, I fooled around and uh, fell into something that I wouldn't trade for anything. And there are so many of us who are glad you did and that you feel that way because we love continuing to see you. Well, thank you, James. I'm going to try and hang on. Good, good. I just have one last question for you. I know um, we just, I guess, two years ago, uh, they had a big Justice League reunion in Denver, Colorado for their Comic-Con. And we, we yes. missed seeing you, unfortunately. You were at New York Comic-Con. Do you do yes. any? Uh, do you have any upcoming plans to do a few con appearances? Because now there's a lot of fans out there who would love to actually meet you. Uh, at this moment, I don't have. Uh, I know I don't have plans to do uh, comic cons. 
I think um, that's certainly a possibility as time moves forward. It's uh, <laughs> it's wonderful to meet the fans. Um, it's it's actually a little overwhelming for me. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm not um, I'm I have not done very many of them so mm. i don't know how good at them i am oh. uh, <laughs> so uh, i don't know if, there's, if i can find a tutorial or uh, work with a coach <laughs> but um, if i if i can improve maybe i'll i'll, uh, I'll try and get to uh I'll try and get to some more of them. Yeah, now Susan uh, Eisenberg and George Newburn, I think Andrea Romano now, they use a company called CelebWorks. And I know mm-hmm. Michael Rosenbaum has been doing a lot more. So I think the three of them, the four of them would be glad to help you out if you needed some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if, you know, if maybe I could steal a bit of personality from each one of them, uh, I, I, I would do well. Yeah, it's, uh, it is definitely something that I, I, I will uh, give some consideration to. But as long as I have an opportunity here, I would like to thank, from the bottom of my heart, all of the fans of, um, of these projects and of, of, of we individuals who have given ourselves away to uh, this endeavor, this, this acting thing that we do. Um, you can never really know how much it means to uh, be appreciated. And so uh, getting an award is really very nice, but I would say nothing really compares to hearing from um, the individuals who, uh, who are touched, moved, uh, entertained by the work we do. Well, I, I think all three of those definitely apply to me. I've been touched, moved, and entertained by your work, sir, and uh, very appreciative of your time today. I don't want to take up too much more of it. Do you have any other projects, or are you uh, active on any kind of social media where people can find you? I am... I, I have a presence on Facebook. I have a quite incredible publicist who um, helps me with that. I show up from time to time to check it, <laughs> but um, you know, I um, I still read books, James. I, you know, Good for you. That's, that's, <laughs> stop. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Well, no, that's that's uh, perfect. Uh, we, we look forward to seeing you. Like I said, hopefully you'll do some conventions coming up, and we'll continue to watch for you. Congratulations again on your Danger Man Hero Award. Carl Lumley, thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day, sir. Thank you, James. You too. Bye-bye, man. My thanks once again to Carl Lumley. Huge fan. Hopefully we can start getting him to more conventions. I'd love to see him out. I know you, the fans, would like to as well. If you are interested in seeing Carl Lumley, if you would go to a convention, please make sure you tweet at me. Uh, retweet this episode once the link goes up. In the podcast form, let me know how much you enjoyed this episode. Let Carl Lumley know how much you enjoyed hearing from him. And hopefully we can coax him out to a convention or two in 2020. We're going to take our next break. Come back with our next guest talking with Ross Marquand from The Walking Dead. Right after this, stand by. This is Carl Lovely, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back. This segment brought to you by Marcus Theaters. Twice in the past couple of weeks, I had the chance to visit a Marcus Theaters, two different locations, both times to see Star Wars The Force Awakens, and I loved it, loved the movie, and of course I loved 
the experience, the Marcus Theaters experience. They've come in St. Louis, uh, taken over the Werenberg Theaters. They've renovated them head to toe, stem to stern, if you're in the shipbuilding type of uh, analogy you want to make. But they've done a fantastic job between the Dolby sound, between the big DLX reclining heated seats that I just almost could fell asleep in at the Depair location when I saw Force Awakens on New Year's Eve. Uh, just a fantastic experience between the concessions, the friendly staff, the clean restrooms. You don't know how many times I've gone into a movie theater at a different location and it's just like, wow, no paper towels. Oh, wow, that's a mess. Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not bashing other movie theaters per se. That's not my intent, but I'm just to say at Marcus Theaters, I haven't had that problem. Uh, it's clean, friendly service, great staff, knowledgeable staff. Great concessions. The Take 5 Lounge they have at Ronnie's. They make a mean margarita down there, let me tell you. And just a movie-going experience beyond anything else. It's really, really first class. And as uh, my wife once said, she's not seeing another movie in Coach ever again. So we're Marcus people, and we're very proud to have the Marcus Theaters as a sponsor here with geek to me Radio. Bringing you uh, this segment and my next guest, we got a chance to chat with Mr. Ross Marquand. So we're here talking with Ross Marquand, the, I'm very excited, you're the voice of Han Solo in, in Phineas and Ferb, yeah, yeah. thank you. So the voice work, uh, you're doing a lot of that, that's got to be a lot of fun to be able to take a break from the live action. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I, I did uh, also uh, uh, Han Solo for Trials on Tatooine, which is a video game, a VR sure. game. Uh, I think it's available on Oculus Rift still, but uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I mostly did voice work before I got on the show, so... Um, Anytime I get a chance to go back to that, I did Ultron for the Avengers Damage Control video game recently, and that was awesome. Um, and I'm just hoping to do more of that when I get back to L.A., because we just wrapped for the season yeah. um, for, of The Walking Dead. So season 10 is in the, in the, in the can, and uh, now we're going to, I'm going to head back to L.A. in a little bit here and just hit the voiceover world like crazy, because I miss that. I really miss doing cartoon voices and impressions I, I that's that was my bread and butter for a long time and you I just, just did a very nice matthew mcconaughey a moment ago ah, for a guest who was here oh, yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah. did, who, who are your go-to like these these are my best impressions why do that i'm really i i think you know i the, the, the walk-in is always a fun one of course but I, i've been really enjoying jeff bridges recently just because uh you know uh he's just the coolest dude man you know uh, he just man you know, he, uh, he plays his bongos and uh, chills at home as a, a white Russian or two. You know, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I just, like, that voice, for whatever reason, just, like, came to me one time when I was watching uh, Bad Times at El Royale. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it was uh, great. I watched it earlier this year on a plane, and I realized that he just, the way I think he produces that sound more than anything is just by sliding his jaw over a little bit and going into the back of his throat. And it just clicked. And I was so pleased because I had been trying it for years and I couldn't do it. And when I finally got off the plane and I was able to talk to myself, you know, because you can't really do it <laughs> on a plane. In the back of the people, Uber. Yeah. yeah, people would be like, oh my gosh, what's this guy's deal? Um, but uh, when I finally got a chance to work on it, I was so happy because there's voices that have been eluding me for years. And that was one of them. Ryan Gosling is at the top of my list. I can't, I can't get him down for whatever reason. He's just, he's so subtle. I want to get him down someday, but it's it's not there yet. So yeah. and the voice of a world, and we've had Andrea Romano on the show before, who's voice wrecked a lot of stuff. We I love voice actors. What is uh, is there someone who you've worked with you've learned the most from while doing voice work? Yeah, my buddy J B Blanc. Um, actually, he's he directed me in this movie called Sheep and Wolves with uh, Tom Felton and Ruby Rose a few years back, and 
just the, the, the technical aspect of, of delivering lines with different cadence and different flow, that's the best, I, I, the most I ever learned from anybody was, was JB just saying, like, make sure you're, you're finding the levels within each line. Because you can get a, a consistent voice and knock it out of the park, technically, but unless you're giving each line different intention and different uh, cadence and flow, it's not going to read. And it's not going to, um, it's not going to work on because you know you don't have the ability to show your face. Yeah. It's all in the voice, and you really have to, you know, make sure that everything is whoa. You know, like you're you're, you're bringing different levels sure. with each line. And that's that's super important. So yeah. Sh- uh, shifting gears to talk Walking Dead, we actually had Kari Payton on the show a little uh, earlier this year. Cool. And he was talking about some of the hardest scenes. What has been? the hardest scene either emotionally or just because he was talking about when they end up killing Shiva it was hot that day mm. it was a mess they do a bunch of takes so either physically hard or emotionally hard for you to do the hardest by far was the lineup with Negan in season 7 like that was the hardest thing to just bring that level of sadness and, and despair each time it's like bringing that level of despair each take for 8 days in a row on our knees in the cold weather was awful and it was you know we're, we're not losing these friends in real life but you're losing them on the show sure. and you're not going to be seeing these people as much anymore and also the way our makeup team does their you know gore the, the way the caved in heads like it looks yeah. like they are yeah. actually dying oh. and it was physically disgusting to watch that but like also it just it, it affected us I think on, a, on an emotional level at least it did me and I think that's some of the best work we've ever done on the show and I will say, as a huge Carol fan, I'm uh, always Team Carol. I would argue that you've had probably the most interesting arc since Carol, with the, the way uh, Aaron has gone uh, from fighting this group and, and then losing, you know, the love of your life and everything. It's been a very uh, character-driven couple of seasons for you. So, you. how has that been to get such great scripts? Uh, is it what do you feel is the main challenge in bringing that visceralness to this camera? It's wonderful. I, I think it's great that like after you know six years Aaron has finally uh, left some of that uber nice guy unflappably kind persona in the in the back of his mind for a while because the whispers are the craziest threat they've ever faced and uh, if they're going to actually be able to fight them he has to kind of become a little bit more of a, of a ruthless yeah. uh, fighter and ruthless leader and I, I love that about him because it's just been so so kind for so long and he's finally he's finally being no more Mr. Nice Guy no more Mr. Nice Guy exactly. and my very last question uh, Avengers Endgame mm. uh, uh, Infinity War with Red Skull yeah. stepping into that role this huge arc that you've now been kind of brought into that was it intimidating was it exciting what oh, were your feelings getting that yeah I was extremely intimidated because that's my childhood that's my uh, that's my reason for becoming an actor to a large degree was X-Men the Animated Series when oh, I was gosh, a kid yes. Watched that and immediately got hooked on Marvel Comics. Bought all the comic book cards and several comic books as well. But um, I used to draw Red Skull, you know. I used to draw really? all these characters, yeah. And so getting that part was arguably the happiest moment of my life. Seriously. <laughs> I'll bet. I mean, and yeah, it's I mean, dream. it's like you're playing the thing that you used to draw as a kid. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. And um, I was very nervous because I didn't want to mess it up. And I think Hugo. Weaving did such a great job sure, yeah. in the first Avenger that I was desperate to pay homage to what he had done, uh, but also not um, mess it up. Yeah. You know, yeah. because 
you know, you really want to honor that amazing performance that he gave in the first Avenger. Like, I, I was blown away by how he did that. I thought it was a perfect uh, yeah. performance. And I wanted to infuse that character, what he did with that, with a more broken, more sad and forlorn uh, Red Skull that you find in Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. I think it would have been an interesting conversation to hear Steve Rogers as he goes back through time giving Red <laughs> Skull back the soldier. Yeah. That would have been an interesting Yeah, hey, uh, I remember outtake. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's been great talking to you. We Likewise. look forward to continued success. Ross Marquand, thank you so much for no, your time. No, thank you very much. Was beyond thrilled that I had the chance to talk with Ross Marquand. Uh, very excited to see Walking Dead when it comes back here just next month. Hard to believe it's already back. We're going to take our last break, come back with a brief interview with This Is Us star Chris Sullivan, also from Taserface from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Stand by. This is Michael Rooker, and uh, you're listening to geek to me Radio. Have a good time. And we're here in our final segment, going out on a high note, and it's pretty hard to top my last two guests, but uh, someone I was very excited to chat with, even briefly, uh, huge hit on their hands for NBC with This Is Us, Chris Sullivan. We're here talking with Chris Sullivan. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, we see all the love you're getting. People come up here. They uh, all the, the movies, the TV shows. This is us has obviously been huge. Yeah. Um, were you expecting it to be as amazing as it's been when you first got into it? I mean, we knew that the story was was a very good story, and we had excellent writers. And Dan Fogelman is a genius storyteller. Um, so we knew we were going to be telling a good story, but we didn't realize that people would connect with it. This. Um, this kind of thoroughly. I mean, it, 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 everywhere we go, people people seem to be able to have some road in through some character, through some storyline, and and uh, of course, a lot of these people show up at the conventions. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy Two sure. is what brings me Taserface, brings me into these conventions, and then people are surprised to see Toby here. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's one of those shows that. I, I kind of was like, oh, I'm not going to. My wife's like, it's so good. It makes you cry. Every, I'm like, why would you want to watch a show where you cry every week? But then I watch them like, oh, damn it. Now it, you can't not watch it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes sometimes crying is not sad. Sometimes crying is, you know, uh, a necessary release valve. Um, and the show is just reflecting back to people certain certain things, certain relationship issues, certain life issues that they can relate to. And sometimes... You got a little, little, uh, little, little steam off. Little, little, let a couple of tears drop. And you've done stage work. A lot of actors, uh, that's that's their first love. Even though yeah. they've done movies, they've done TV shows like you've done. Yeah. Stage work is where the real love. It's an intimate setting. Yeah. Do you still have that feeling that stage is your is your first love of all the yeah. projects you've done? Yeah. There's no better training for for an actor than than being on stage uh, in an active relationship with another human being um, in front of an audience of people. So I. I try to do it as much as I can. Obviously, our television schedule doesn't allow for it as much, but uh, hopefully I'll get to do that um, over the hiatus. And all actors have a preference. Comedy, drama, you've done it all. Do you have a preference? Do you prefer the I comedy? Mean, comedy certain makes, certainly makes for a lighter day at the office, but uh, I like to make sure I'm doing a balance of both. Um, even, you know, part of my, my idea of approaching acting is taking comedy very seriously hmm. and taking drama very lightly. That's perfect. Yeah. And with obviously This Is Us going on as long as it's going, uh, we've got, it doesn't show any signs of stopping. 
What other projects can people watch for you, though, coming up in 2020? Well, I'm, uh, I'm currently working on a feature project called Revival with one of the artists here named uh, Tim Seeley. Okay. Um, yeah. It is a, a graphic novel series, and we're trying to make it into a feature film with uh, Shatterglass Films out of Illinois. Um, and I'll be playing... Uh, one of the roles, and we've got a couple other great people attached, and yeah, we're going to try and do that in January and February. Perfect. Well, it's always great to see you. Chris Elvin, thanks very much yeah. for your time today. Thank Appreciate you so it. much. And that's going to do it. My thanks once again to my guests, Carl Lumley, Ross Marquand, and Chris Elvin. If you've got a guest you'd like me to try to get, please send me an email, geek2meradio at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the show. Uh, we always love to hear from listeners. And if there's anything you think I could be doing better, and you want to phrase it very constructively so you're not to bruise my delicate ego, that'd be great. My thanks once again to Joey V. Would not have been able to do this last year, certainly not the last couple of months, without him, my executive producer, who does everything to make the show sound as good as it does. Thank you again to our sponsors, discoverstcharles.com and marcustheaters.com. And of course, make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram at geek to me Radio. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash geek to me Radio. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I zombie It's not in the way you watch the flash It's not in the way you love Scotty Young Art It's not in the way you play Mario Kart It's not in the way you look when you make him a throw trap and says that's a show Thank you, Mars. Good night.